Welcome to the Carousel Tapes. Um, we are joined today with Emma Lloyd from She Hearts Film and also Eva Dixon, who is an Australian artist. artist. Okay, I've already messed that bit up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm Amber. Um, I work for the Carousel and I curated the Obscura exhibition, which is currently on, on display. Um, and yeah, I've invited Emma along, who has collaborated with us on this exhibition, which is really, really exciting. Um, Emma, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Emma. <laughs> um, so yeah, I work for Analog Wonderland. I'm a marketing assistant there. But I also started the She Hearts Film Project uh, for International Women's Day to try and bring a spotlight to female photographers and get our names out there so I started a list of female photographers to follow uh, Amber was on that list and that's where she found me and she's uh, put together an amazing exhibition with a lot of photographers who are on that list and a few others uh, celebrating alternative photographic processes mm. and that's how we found Eva mm. yeah full circle yeah <laughs> um my name is Eva um I'm in a experimental process photographer but I do a lot of things that fall under anything that's sort of experimenting with traditional photographic processes and the way that can sort of be deconstructed and um, reinvented uh, and yeah I'm currently studying fine art in London so that's what I'm doing at the moment and now I'm here amazing yeah it's nice to have you both join us thank you thanks very much thanks for, for having us so I think how the, this podcast is kind of probably going to be set out is me and Emma we're going to just ask you some questions, Eva, um, kind of just talking about your practice, about your processes, and just sort of really getting to understand you as an artist. And um, and I think something that we've been talking about already is how important it is for women in the photographic community to be celebrated. So I think we'll probably also cover that as well, because I think that seems to be quite yeah. an important, important topic so, yeah. Do you, would you like to explain a little bit about your practice other than the sort of description yeah. you've already given us? A lot of what I um, do is you could break it down into two parts that it's like most central and that's sort of I take a photographic process and I extrapolate that in different directions. So I'm not just taking on that standard um, analogue, well, anything alternative sort of has this course but I don't just take film develop it and print it for me the starting point is when I am operating a camera I'm taking an image and using that almost as a blueprint for the rest of my projects and so whether that comes out as a screen print uh, cyanotype print I might even combine those things so recently I was working with um it's actually my work that's on show here presently is the is the negative from um, a work I made originally to create a cyanotype on translucent material, so uh, using a spray gun. So I'm really crossing... Um, it's very transmedial, so a lot of what I do involves um, combining techniques that technically you're not supposed to put together for a variety of reasons, and a lot of that is also related to the history of photography, and I mentioned to you earlier, Emma, um, how colonial sort of photography is in being that it's primarily like white and male centric even presently now so a lot of what I'm trying to do is the ways in which 
photography hasn't been explored yet, um, like by women. And so that's kind of where my drive presently comes from. I love that. I love how you describe your work. I think analog photography has so much creative potential because you could literally start with just an image and go in like a million different mm. directions and like finish with something that doesn't even look like the original photograph, which is so cool. Is there any other like alternative processes you still have on your bucket list to try? Uh, well, presently, I just received a grant um, from Ollie and I were talking about my partner on the way here about how I cannot pronounce this name. <laughs> um, and it's really embarrassing. Um, Siobhan, I keep writing, <laughs> reading it as Sibohan. So that's, <laughs> uh, I got a grant from the um, Siobhan and Richard Coward Associate, um, Association Ooh. for Analog Photography earlier Congrats. this year. Thank you. Um, and I've just finished one off for Kew Gardens. So I've had quite a busy period, but through Kew Gardens, I'd built a full large format camera with um, functioning movements, everything mm. from recycled materials. So I couldn't finish it because lenses for those bad boys like 200 pounds. So um, with this grant, I'm presently finishing that camera and I'm creating a body of work using liquid emulsion on ceramics. So I've recently done a ceramics course, but um, liquid emulsion is something I love it's very fickle and painful but oh I like I yeah. yeah so I've previously done that on oh dinner plates and and wax was one thing and degreasing wax is not easy so at the moment that's sort of what I'm undertaking um I also want to finish working with cyanotype on alternative materials because I want to make these like translucent painting style photographs mm. which I find very difficult to articulate because I think often when you're making work and I don't know whether either of you relate to this but if it could be said in words I wouldn't have bothered making the picture so mm. it's kind of difficult in this way to explain that. We kind of spoke about that a little yeah. bit didn't we and how it's very difficult as an artist to kind of get your understanding onto paper and through statements and things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the worst thing about uni, I'm just like, look at the picture. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's what you've just said is very relevant. And mm. this idea of like art speak. Yeah. And, oh, it's so heavy. Yeah. Mm. Um, I suppose as well, it's sort of, I once had a tutor say to me that similarly, a English student is never asked to create a painting to go alongside their essay, yet here we are you yeah. know, um, writing these statements and they have so, they can be so regimented unless you sort of reinvent the wheel, mm. which I actually think is really needed with artist statements. Mm -hmm. They quite literally have the life sucked out of them because like a, a lot of what I'm doing is building machines. So I'm kind of like, I'm starting with the image at its most basic point. Like the, there's a really interesting podcast that talks about the pinhole as, as but some historians believe it wasn't necessarily just created for, for uh, like Renaissance style painting, but presumably that cavemen might have actually accidentally mm -hmm. created it inside their tents and things. Caves. Exactly. Wow. And that in itself I kind of think is far more interesting than some of the other narratives that come along with photography yeah, to think absolutely. it might have started at, and it, considering it's always second rate to painting, I think that that's sort of like seeded in early history is fascinating. That's actually something I was kind of talking about this morning in the workshop yeah. um, was that it started off through Neolithic caves yeah. and that that's how kind of potentially some of the paintings that they created was using like an accidental mm. pinhole camera mm. and obviously through the Renaissance and through like just that kind of art period, it's been developed into this, um, 
kind of romanticized sort of object if that makes sense and yeah when you think about a camera and where a camera starts you almost think that it started there and it was created there yeah and you forget that pinhole mm. and photography it is actually a natural that. phenomenon that happens yeah. to every single person yeah. through like your eyes but yeah you're blind in your bedroom there's like there's that such it's such an interesting thing because it's I find it so funny that people talk about the camera and we were having this discussion in the hallway about this idea of your, of like the classism in photography, especially analogue photography and how much you can afford and well, whatever it is. And I think it's quite funny when you think of like the film camera and things that people so often forget it's there because mm-hmm. unlike with digital photography, I don't go, well, I shot this on a Sony R2, whatever. Mm. With analogue, people love to list what camera they've used as if it's somehow irrelevant because at the end of the day, you're leaving the image. I don't really care how you got there unless mm. it's like part of your work. Because for me, when I make my cameras, like I've made them out of like pumpkins and things. I I like knowing that the, the camera becomes part of the work because I'm operating, like, as a female photographer, what I'm shooting is not coming from, like, male gaze, so it in some ways is important, but I find it quite ironic that it's often men that will list this sort of information. Yeah, mm. it's like a, a statement or just to show off. It's like, why are you telling me you, you use that camera? Is it relevant to the work or mm. is it just a flex that you've got a Hasselblad mm. or whatever yeah. it is? Yeah, especially if it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to use it well either because yeah. there's so many bad images made with beautiful cameras. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, you were talking about, like, like is, is your work here Matchbox? Because I can't remember. You were mentioning something about a Matchbox pinhole earlier. But so that was the workshop we did this oh, morning. This morning yeah, yeah, we so made pinhole cameras. Mm. But my work's on liquid light emulsion on uh, ceramic tiles as well. So well. I'd love to talk to you about that. Yeah, we definitely want to. I got to a certain point and then I was just like... This is doing my head in. I'm Breakdown. Actually, yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. I'm booked on to do a workshop on it soon, so I'm hoping that will get me started again, but it is a very, like, fiddly thing to get right. Yeah. It's, yeah, I love it. It's, it's fantastic, but especially if you try and find information on alternative printing with liquid emulsion, the amount of tutorials online that are only made by older men who are using it on paper and I'm like what is the point you could have gone and bought heavy weight like photo paper but here we are um you, it's hard to find on other surfaces there is actually a, a liquid light artist I believe UK based and she does work on wax surfaces and I feel awful that I cannot recall her name and did like a body of work based around John Everett Millis's painting um Ophelia but besides that online they're just people using them on more flat yeah. surfaces or if not flat because I think that if it has dimension to it, it it really is bodying like what you're talking about with ceramic tiles it's there's that idea that the image only really exists when the photograph is made you can't have a photo without an image and therefore people often forget there's a surface like that's it's just paper it's as flat as possible and it gives this like illusion of realities whereas when you're working on a tile yeah. it's unmistakable it physically exists and I think that's very fascinating yeah yeah cool yeah so cool um we've got a few other questions Mm -hmm. something that we were reading we were reading your artist biography earlier oh (laughs) (laughs) and in your artist biography you asked the question where is the line between maker and machine Um, how have you explored this question within your processes so far? Well, that's... Oh, the thing is, often I'm 
I find it quite fascinating that people think the objectiveness of the camera in taking an image somehow makes it, like, it gives it an authority, like it's somehow more truthful because every time you fire, as you were saying earlier, a Hasselblad, mm. the mirror drops, shutter fires, it is all the same process across every camera provider they work, you know, at the same speed, whatnot. But when I build my cameras, I'm giving... I'm giving it away to the machine. Like, I've made quite a few drawing machines and they actually are based on photographic um, processes. So if you'll indulge me a little bit, it's not so much that it's uh, photographic image making, but at the moment I've just figured out how to after about six months of thinking about it. And I've made different versions to build this kinetic drawing machine that will run for about 12 hours by itself. And this has taken a lot of thinking, but it's based on sort of like it actually uses a uh, shutter mechanism I've made before out of wood that is used in early cameras. So a lot of these these techniques have come from the camera in turn. So thinking about how when those drawings are made, who do they belong to? Who made it? Was it me or the machine? Because... It's it's like uh, quite like a typewriter. Though you put the words in, the font comes from the machine. So how much of it is truly yours? And the more we indulge this idea of the machine as as maybe we personify it in some way, and mm-hmm. it becomes something like um, my partner was just saying to me today in Tesco's when we were checking out that they've changed the voice on the checkout machines to sound more English mm-hmm. for when you get a bag. And I thought this is so strange, like. We presently have just been in a lockdown for so long that people have forgotten how to speak to each other. So instead of removing self-checkout machines, you go to one and they sound more like a person. Like, it's sort of like when you think about that with a machine and also my machines have character and I call them machines even my cameras because they feel like more than just a camera because for something to just be a camera, it's almost dismissed because as we were just talking about, it's not truly what people are looking at in an image Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter what it was shot with. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of how, for me, in an installation sense, I will often leave the camera that I've built alongside the image I've made or whatever process that is because I'm interested in how other people link those two things conceptually. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what they link it with. I couldn't care. I think it's really um, obnoxious of me to decide that for other people. But if that answers your question somewhat, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm currently thinking about. It's quite interesting the way you were talking about kind of like truth and um, mm. how like people um kind of does the camera do the work or do I do the work because something that I've been quite interested in in my own practice is this idea of how humans reliantness on cameras have grown has grown so excessively over the last 50 years to the point that we are replacing memory with well yeah (laughs) with our cameras Mm. and um Susan Sontag, who is a fantastic writer, um, she wrote a really, really great article in her book on photography um, called In Plato's Cave. And um, she kind of talks about this huge thing with the when we go on holiday, for example, we're at this amazing experience. We're here, we're in a beautiful place. And yet we feel the need to um, show that we're having a good time. Mm. And we do that by consistently taking photographs of everywhere we go. It's like people at concerts just like watching it through their phones. Watching it through their phone. Yeah. The actual concert. Yeah. Mm. And it's just that understanding of like, like why why have we become so... Why is there a necessity that we need, we feel the need to record everything? Because 
the likelihood of you looking back at that, it still lives in your memory. So why are we trying to replace mm. what our bodies have given to us? Yeah, I don't know. With yeah. a photograph. And I feel like what you were saying with mm. between machine and maker, I feel like that kind of connects in some sort of way, um, which is quite interesting. I don't even really think those images are for us, though. It's like my my grandmother, who is a subject of that image, her photo albums have these very funny little ballpoint written notes on them that say, Rod building veranda, Rod is my dad. So, like, whatever that note is. And it's very clear that she's not, unless she was to develop dementia or something awful, there is no case in which she would need to know that information because it's her house she would be referring to in these images. And it's sort of that idea of authorship, and I recently actually wrote a paper on exactly what you've said. Um... And it's quite funny because when you think about, uh, well, in the case of my grandmother anyway, she leaves those notes so when if anyone else requests to view those photo albums, the image of herself is authored in the way she wants to be seen mm, and the way her see. life wants to be observed in, in a crisp, reliable photograph, which, mm. as you said, is mechanical and reliable, whatnot. And when you think about early photography, considering Kodak's involvement with aerial photography... Had Kodak not invented aerial photography film in that large scale and put it inside aerial cameras, which Hasselblad had a hand in making at the time for the Second World War, mm. and used it to shoot, no one would have known where to bomb. Mm. So we've relied on cameras for so long as being mm-hmm. photographic and perfect and whatnot. And I actually feel quite strongly about this subject because for me, in my work, perfection is something I'm never seeking because I don't think perfection is inherently photographic. I think it's an idea we project onto. It's like aerial photograph reply requires the fact that you can even take a photo and take into account the focal length and the aperture and use mathematics to figure out the exact exact coordinates of something in an image. The fact that I provided you celebrate Christmas, the fact that both of you could probably pull out a picture of you with Santa Claus at three and so could I and they would all look the same. And yours wouldn't look familiar to me. It would look uncanny. Mm. It's just, it's like a replicated experience. There's nothing that I find to be truly authentic about that. It's like when you make images, you're not seeking to reproduce what's already done, but your iPhone has set up this nine grid system for you to be able to perfectly balance the horizon, which is not exactly how you look at things anyway. So, you know, it's a really interesting subject. I've actually recently found something out on TikTok. If you do use TikTok. Too much. So when you take a video of yourself the filter the camera automatically ups your face 30 percent to make you look smoother than you actually are so it alters your face to look different than what is real wow immediately without even your consent with it without even our consent and when you were saying about like an authentic Mm it kind of got me thinking and I was just like we're literally having that option taken away from us now it's something that has always potentially been a consideration you know when you take a photograph you know what you're photographing but you make that decision whether it's consciously or subconsciously Mm. to alter it to aesthetics Mm. and to an aesthetic ideal Mm -hmm. but now we're literally having that option taken away from us and I think that's quite interesting I think that's the beauty of like the entirely mechanical machine in my case anyway because when you build a camera or when you operate like I don't use film cameras that are newer than the 80s normally I have Mm. a few but I tend to refuse to because I actually like that if I get it wrong the image won't turn out I don't like having that taken from me Mm. but that is the only thing that is making 
decisions about the way something's perceived as myself. And I quite like that, Um, especially when you think about how, like, the mechanics that are ingrained in photography, what you're talking about with TikTok is who made the executive decision to render people's faces that way. When the camera, like, we we also mentioned this earlier, when so many film brands in the past have used, like, like a sexualised woman in order to promote their products to a male audience based on the presumption that cameras are for men. It's like... It's I own a, a camera um, that I don't even have small hands, but I can't operate very well because my hand isn't big enough to hold where the shutter is and the other side at the same time and all the photos of people operating it are men. It's like instruction manuals. And, and Kodak did this too. The Kodak girl was never used to try and... It wasn't used for female empowerment in photography. Like she was, I think, late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, sorry, eight, late 1900s, early 20th century oh I'm confusing myself anyway Mm -hmm. so she was only used to prove how simple cameras by Kodak were to use because if a woman could operate them anyone could in the same way that when you open up a Minolta manual from the 1950s or a contacts 2 manual from the 1930s you're looking at this picture of this very pristine woman doing some weird stuff with her hands when she holds this camera because I have never in my life handled a camera in the way they do in those images but you never see them in the adverts. It's only to prove that anyone who with half a brain cell can use these things. And it's, you know, it's like... And then you go back to TikTok and you think, who is programming that in mm-hmm. a field that's primarily male-dominated? Mm. Like, so my Samsung, until I changed the settings, used to... Um, they call it the beautify. Beautify my face when mm. I would turn the camera on and oh. reshape it. It's really fascinating. It's like, I'm already beautiful. Yeah, I don't need, I don't need <laughs> Samsung's validation. So, you know... Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. It's like striving for perfection, but now we've gone so far past the line that it's not even like close to truth anymore. Truth. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why pinhole photography has been something that I've really invested a lot mm-hmm. of time in because I don't have a, I don't have like a lens to look through to. Yeah. Um, to like make mm. aesthetic choices like mm. I can't see what I'm taking a picture of when I take a picture mm. so it's not up to me it's up to the camera and it's up to what's around me and I'm accepting that whatever comes out in that photograph is truth yeah rather than what mm-hmm. I've decided it to be or what yeah. anybody else has decided it to be I love that so yeah I don't know how you guys found this at uni but I always felt like choosing photography as a specialism within fine art was sort of looked down upon by a lot of teachers yeah. where like they didn't see photography as an art form and there was always the argument that you know it's a newer form of art it's only been going in the last 100 years and obviously with what you talk about with pinhole cameras that's like not really true and now talking about this whole truth thing and images as truth and recording devices I wonder if it is because people see cameras as such a scientific thing that they're for recording images and data when, well, obviously we're showing through this exhibition that there's so much creativity you can do with photography. It doesn't have to be, like, this is the image, this is it, Mm -hmm. this is how it's going to stay. Like, you can take it in so many directions. I personally think it's because photography has become so accessible and so readily made that we literally have a camera in our pocket, like, 24-7. everyone's a photographer. Everyone's a photographer. And it's that thing of, like, if I can take a picture of this, so can you. 
Mm. And but that's not the reason why we do these things. And I don't think tutors at university should look down. No, yeah. You know, but I definitely think that that's probably one of the reasons why tutors are so uh, against photography. I mean, I remember at my university, um, we didn't even like get to learn in the dark room like yeah. I had to teach myself and oh, I had yeah. to go oh, to technicians yeah. and be like mm. I really want to do photography I've never used the dark room before please can you teach me and the technicians were fantastic I must say they were better than the tutors yeah they um, always, they always are, are aren't they they, always are. they are <laughs> yeah they're, they're s- because they're so invested in their skill they and love their it. trade it's a tr- yeah. and yeah. they want run the place that's yeah. really and it feels like the tutors kind of are just there to make judgment. Yeah. Art speak. Make you yeah. Like crap. Art yeah. speak. <laughs> Get those statements in, guys. Yeah, no. It's Add like... as many big words as you can. It was the same at my uni. Like, we had the most amazing photography department. Like, every camera you could possibly wish to use. Like, I wish I'd made more use of it, but the photography department was understaffed. It never got given as much time mm. or money. Like, I really fought for darkroom access. They'd have it open for, like, one day a week. And really? By the wow. time you, like, set up all your chemicals and get sorted, like, it's just no time at all. No, but, yeah. I mean, photography is massive. Like, there's so much money in photography. Obviously, film photography is, like, a smaller branch of that. But, yeah, I was just so chuffed when I got a job within film photography. I was like... Look at me now, like there is no, something here. Yeah. There is something in film photography, and like it shouldn't be just mm. forgotten about or seen as this dead thing because mm. it's really not. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, where you work, I was like, oh my god, I would love to work there because it's just like a dream, isn't it? Um, I, I, it's hard too because like you know you can't really help what you're passionate about. But I, as we're having this conversation, I could talk about film for days because mm. it's I. But, it, like, with the things I love with it, I so truly love image making, like, more than, like, so deeply that, you know, being able to, like, occupy yourself in a dark room entirely alone, it's a bit, like, it's pretty isolating. But I never feel as calm or at peace as I do when you're in a dark room. And I don't think people quite understand mm. that... I think it's Rosa Barber... Um, Barbara? Barber? And she's an Italian artist, I believe, anyway, that... um works with film and has this really fantastic quote that I am paraphrasing where she talks about how the fantastic thing about digital photography is that it has allowed it has allowed film to become its own medium versus a method of pre- like advertising mm. and so we're currently in this really strange place I think with film photography where it's become so popular and I have nothing against lamography film, but it seems like every second thing that people are buying to use for their Instagram feeds is a Lomo little point-and-shoot disposable, um, you know. And I think it's fantastic that film has become accessible, but even when it's used in this way to take, like, party photos that have this nostalgic era, it's kind it's of... It's become a aesthetic. Yeah, and that's the danger, too, because, you know, like... If I think about my work, I can remember in early crits before I found tutors, I have some very good tutors now, but initially I had a tutor that was like, are you trying to be nostalgic? And I was like, I was born in 2000. Oh my God, I got the same yeah. the same comment. How can like, I be trying to be nostalgic? Film this is feels so right nostalgic. Now. Yeah, and, and I'm using that. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not try- I'm not recreating a photo of me when I was five. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Um, and I remember answering it and thinking, the worst part is because nostalgia means like a longing for something. How can you long for what wasn't 
you know, it's such yeah. a frustrating thing because you're re... Like what you guys do at Analog Wonderland is you're quite literally leaving a door open for something that young, older generations had the privilege of accessing. Older photography students, women didn't really get so much. And then now it's like you try and get darkroom access or you get tutors that are going, oh, that seems an awful lot of labour when you could just do it this way. And I'm like, you're, you sit for hours making an oil painting and I sit for hours in a darkroom and I truly don't see the difference yeah. when photography literally translates to painting with light, mm. you know? Mm. This is an argument I've actually had with somebody previously who we were talking about pricing work yeah. and um, something they said was something along the lines of, if I've done an oil painting for eight hours, my work should be this price, but you've just taken a photograph, so why should you charge <laughs> it at the same price? <laughs> and my argument was exactly that, was that it's not necessarily the time that the finished piece yeah. has evolved from it's the entire process you've taken years to learn this you know yeah it's a whole skill yeah like how someone would not question an oil painting's price for yeah. a second but as soon as you put a price on a photograph it almost seems to be like i can do that myself mm. They just assume, but if someone like saw the piece I have the, in this exhibition, for example, and I try to explain how I do it, like I'm sure they just switch off or it goes oh, over their heads. So no, I'm it's like, so interesting. I think it is anyway. I'm but like, so it's not that simple then, is yeah. it? If you're not like grasping the concept. Yeah, yeah it did take a lot of time. And you know when people switch off it. as well because they're like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. You talking about the liquid emulsion not sticking to the surface and it floating away or whatever. It's a very yeah. hard. It is really hard. But yeah. yeah, I think people just assume photography, click, it's done. But especially with the work we're showing, like there's so much more that yeah. goes into it. Yeah, you can blame um like that idea of the mechanical process, I think, to some degree with that because if you didn't do the work and the camera did, then why are you... Mm. Why, why are you claiming the credit anyway? Yeah, I mean... Maybe that's why men put the title <laughs> the camera yeah. because they're actually crediting the camera yeah, rather than themselves. Five hundred cm, you know, like it's that type of thing of just like like mm. yeah. Mm. But you should back yourself on whatever you choose to price your work at, and like when I see friends price work for like high prices, and my family would say, "Oh, right, that's a lot." And I would sit there and say, you know, like, it was this many hours, it was this mm -hmm. much materials. And when you work through all those things, like, a lot of the time you think, well, actually, they deserve a bit more, probably. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, especially when anything. you come out of uni, like, you're not really taught about pricing work. And mm. it is quite a difficult thing to get right. At such a young age, it feels like you have to undersell yourself mm. yeah. before you can actually put, mm. put yeah. the right, you know, people say, like, oh, but the more experienced you get, the more you can charge. And it's like, okay, I understand that, but I don't know if I do at the same time. I don't time. even yeah. believe that, though, because I, I, I've been, in general, you can see some really crap photographers who are mm. 60 years old, and I'm glad they have a love for something, but there's a difference <laughs> between a hobby and an art. Like, I'm not trying to throw them under the <laughs> yeah. bus, but seriously, like, you're, we're talking about an industry that is male-run, even outside of film photography, but especially in film photography, and we're sitting in this room and having this conversation as, like, three women as part of an... You were saying the first alternative process exhibition in Nottingham. Yeah. This is... I've never heard of one for women. Uh, the experience in this room would have to be surpass so many simply because we've had to navigate an environment that was never designed for us. So I feel like that's kind of... Mm. And it's the conversation you constantly have when you try and buy cameras, when you're buying film, when someone says, oh, do you even know how to develop that? 
like it's such it's such a cycle you're like putting yourself on the line to get criticism from absolute strangers all the time and if I and one of the funniest things that I always find kind of sweet kind of annoying is if I'm out with one of my cameras I will always get old men stop me saying oh I like your camera is it really film and if I tell them it is they're like oh do you know how to use it and it's sweet up until that <laughs> point you know and I just, sometimes it just makes me think, no, I just carry these around for decoration so I get idiots. Like, you're talking to me, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is like my puppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or my pet cat. Yeah. Oh. oh, my goodness. I actually think this might be a good point to kind of switch the conversation around slightly mm. and kind of come to you, Emma. Ooh. Because I think... With the way that this conversation's going, I think it'd be really great to get Eve's input on She Hearts Film and sort of understand a little bit from your perspective as to how She Hearts Film started, mm-hmm. um, why the project was set up, and like also kind of explain your experiences and if if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, of course. Um, so I started at Analog Wonderland in January, and International Women's Day was coming up, and. I really wanted to do something and my boss Paul is like amazing and so forward thinking and like you know on our side and it's just like really refreshing and he had done previous things in the years for like International Women's Day but I really wanted it to be a project that would stick it's like why do we get this one day of recognition like there are amazing female photographers and artists and like all sorts all year round like it's international woman's life like <laughs> we're just here so yeah it started from that day that's what gave it the momentum so we started with a hashtag and a photo competition and yeah from that competition we picked a few people and wrote blogs about them but then I really wanted to still give credit to all the other amazing um, women that took part so that's when the list started of female photographers to follow um, I think it started with about I, don't know, I can't remember 70 odd like who had entered the competition mm. which I was like thrilled with I wasn't sure what response mm. we'd get and it has just kept growing to this list that's just constantly changing and evolving and more and more women getting added to it and like my feed on Instagram now is just women and like I love it we did a photo walk the other day with just women and it was just like so so lovely like literally the best day and didn't you have quite a few people traveling yeah I had people from like Leeds coming down like just for this walk and like it was like really touching and I think obviously we want to get women more exposure on Instagram and that sort of thing because I do understand that's important but for me what's more important is like building the network because I mean I have amazing male tutors and technicians I could talk to but I love being able to go to another woman for advice because I feel like we just get each other on another level or I'm not having things mansplained to me and Mm -hmm. it just felt like a really supportive atmosphere rather than coming feeling like inferior or I know less than you it was felt like very equal so that's sort of the whole ethos behind it creating a community and just putting a spotlight on female photographers and yeah there's so much I want to do with it and I'm like so grateful to work and analog wonderland for supporting it and now it's led to an actual exhibition which is like so surreal but like yeah really exciting the direction it's going in 
Yeah. It seems like it's just bro I can't even remember how I found it. I can you remember? She has found. Yeah. Yeah, um, I love Analogue Wonderland's Instagram <laughs> page because Paul has these really sweet videos. I'm like, oh, hi. I didn't even know who I was at this point. Um, but my mum used to buy all my Christmas... Well, she does buy all my Christmas presents from you guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a um, bit of brand loyalty. So I remember scrolling through my feed and I applied to everything. But when I saw that this was like female photographers, I was like, got to do this. And I remember applying to it and I had this lovely little Google Doc and I was like, I'm going to fill all this out. <laughs> And I wasn't one of the um, originally selected women for that project, but I actually hadn't realised at the time I was put on the list until you told me. And I thought, wow, this has come so full circle because that was back in January or December of 2020, I think. It took me a while to get that list together. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, it was maybe like April or May time, but it's changing all the time, but Mm. yeah. There's women from literally across the... Well, it's amazing on there as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's nice and like on the walk, even like meeting people that I'd known through Instagram and meeting them in real life was so cool. And like, there are lots of female film photographers out there. We just need to mm. all find each other. And I think yeah. another reason we did the women's photo walk, like, of course we got a few men like, oh, so this is anti-men then, is it? And I'm like, not anti-men, like, it's pro-women. Like, that's not what it's about at all. Mm. Um, was because we'd been on another photo walk recently and I think I was one of maybe four girls there out of, like, a wow. group of, like, maybe f- 30 to 40 people. And, like, all the men there were lovely. Like, it's not about that. I just would have liked more female representation and I hoped by doing an all-girls walk that it would give women the confidence to then go on a mixed walk. And yeah. Like, even if they could meet a friend, like, we had people there who were like, oh, there's no film photographers in my area, and then realised that someone else on the walk, like, lived in the village next to them, and then they were going to go and meet off and do their own little photo walk. So things like that was just so sweet. And, yeah, I think about building confidence as well is another thing. Um, totally. Yeah. Mm. I think what's kind of sad is how you were saying you know you were one of four women and there was no like mm. representation and it's not the fact that there isn't women out there who do film photography mm. I'm sure they would absolutely love yeah. to go on these photo walks but it's more the fact that they've probably had the experiences already of what they've been like and it's the case of um like you said not feeling comfortable and yeah. not feeling like they can approach or be on a walk like this without feeling kind of degraded slightly or just yeah um, like a foreigner in this sort of yeah yeah. or just sort of uh a bit humiliated more than anything because I do find that my own experiences I felt like a little bit like I'm stupid yeah like a lot of the conversation went over my head like on this walk and they're talking about alternative developing methods and blah 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 and I'm just like smiling and nodding but it's like are you getting a kick out of this like yeah. making me feel like stupid and then you just have to think like I need to back myself like mm-hmm. I develop film at home I've done crazy alternative processes that I'm sure you haven't but I I think sometimes you feel like you can't get a word in to sort yeah. of back yourself in that way yeah and then I think it's also the case of when you do feel confident enough to speak up suddenly you almost get like cut off and be like yes 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 but this is the best way to do it or this is the mm. way you, you don't really yeah. seem to get like the support that 
just like in this room, how we've been able to sit and support and actually understand how the other person feels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even seeking out information, like you do not want to be that person who asks the question. Yeah. Because they already think that you don't know anything in Mm. the environments like that. And it's so, I find it so uncomfortable. And I remember at uni, I actually have all my tutors on Facebook. So, like, I'm friends with them. I really like them. Like, my, these are the technicians for photography. But I do remember one of the first weeks I was in there, I said to them how many times I've experienced feeling like a bit of an idiot. Um, around in like male environments that for film opportunities and things and them kind of looking at me sideways like what do you mean because they just aren't aware of it like Mm -hmm. I um I was invited to speak at the RAND club earlier this year which is a it actually used to be a men's society in South Africa that was quite wealthy and so it's now a historical building but my family lives in South Africa so I was over there at the time and it was a really strange experience talking about collodion photography in front of these this group of like 80 and 90 year old men primarily because they were all the old rain club members and I remember afterwards it was such a surreal experience because it was one of the first times simply because I assumed the authority of the person who introduced me he was like really well known there and the fact that he'd asked me to speak it was the first time I've ever not had men come up to me after me talking about something and ask me stupid questions about me having knowledge on the subject. So yeah. not about, like, how does this thing work? It was the first time I was asked questions that were actually with the expectation I knew what the answer was, which was such a refreshing That's experience. So nice. But I quite literally needed the authority of a man yeah. to do that. And my friend, she came on the sport park. I brought a few friends with me and... She was just chatting to one of the guys there. He was really lovely, but she was telling him about her dissertation. I can't even remember the subject, but he then, like, mansplained her dissertation back to her. And she's like, yeah, I know, it's my dissertation. But, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, bash men or anything. Like, most of the men on that walk were absolutely lovely. And there's loads of guys on Instagram that I would go to for advice. But I just think it's nice to have the option of, like, talking to a girl too. Mm. And another issue we spoke about was just like if there was a single man going to an event on his own, he'd most likely feel more comfortable than a woman going to something on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is like a whole other issue, but it's just nice to like make friends and meet Mm. other people with like a shared interest as you. Yeah. Like lovely thing. I mean, something that like this has been a big issue this year, especially with the Sarah Everett. Mm. situation that happened in London which was awful but a lot of men feeling like women were attacking them for not understanding how they feel mm. and um, in like like you said in no way is this about bashing men or saying that men don't do this or men do because there are plenty of men who definitely mm. do it's more the fact of like you said um, Eva having the awareness of how we feel and how situations can be uncomfortable for women who are in film and whether we can um what they can do to help ease those yeah. tensions yeah and just being aware that this is like an issue for women yeah and not overlooking it because it's not an issue for them and just considering like what can i do in this situation yeah. to make yeah and just like women feel more comfortable and that's validating how we feel yeah. not like saying well that's not true it's like how, how can you say that's I mean, not true? Like, I'm the woman here and this yeah. is how I feel. Like, yeah, just be yeah. on side, I guess. Yeah. I think, like, we're definitely with She Hearts Film that's taking some really big positive steps. Yeah. It's moving really the community pleased. forward. Like, to have 
if we don't move everyone in film forward, like, across all minorities, then how can we ever expect any of the work to get better? Mm-hmm. And, like, projects like this are so exciting because it's like we're quite literally just on the precipice of something else and for so long seeking out communities like that. Like, I get so many DMs from young women asking me how you start using film and film cameras because all the tutorials online are primarily men Mm -hmm. and often the way they'll speak about it and if they're older they have a background in film that you're not going to necessarily understand it's like a millennial or or someone born in the even the 90s so with projects like this it just excites me that now I through your project I've contacted other um, female photographers that I found really interesting Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's obvious that the people that are on this project want to connect, and I think that's yeah. really exciting. Just getting the inspiration from other, like, photographers or artists, like, I just encourage you, like, I know Instagram is not the be-all and end-all, but it is a great platform. It has its bad sides, yeah. but, like, you can find this list or find the women who are at the exhibition and just give them all a follow, and that will just open up your following to mm-hmm. all sorts of other women and creatives that... I'm sure would be happy to help you with our ideas or like any of us if you wanted to message us I'm sure we'd help too that's just yeah put yourself out there and just because you don't see people like you on your Instagram doesn't mean they're not out there you will find like like-minded people that can inspire you so just keep your work going forward and I think you don't never know when something's going to come around the corner mm-hmm. oh, completely. You know? Like, for example, this project was a very kind of, not last minute, but it was something that had been in the back of my mind for a while and I wasn't sure how I was going to facilitate this. So I'd been following a lot of women photographers for a very long time who I was interested in and knew I wanted to connect with in some way. Mm. And when the opportunity through the carousel came about, I was like, this is great. Like, this is my chance to actually speak to these women who I've yeah. wanted to speak to for such a long time like mm. either I said to you like I've been following you for so flattered for like <laughs> six months prior I'm sure maybe even longer than that and I'd watched some of your videos and I was just like this girl is amazing mm. like oh, thank you how can we you know you just never know how to yeah approach and people like most people are gonna say yeah and be really excited and flattered if you message them so just reach out and connect with other people because yeah. like, it's amazing the opportunities that do come about that you like really wouldn't expect mm-hmm. and yeah. like quite organic things happen, like projects move on naturally, one person connects you to someone else. Like I think networking is like a really important part, especially of the like art industry. Yeah, I wouldn't be here otherwise because of your list anyway because mm. it's how... Um, we've come to be connected but I'm a big fan of like just dropping I was saying this in the hallway earlier dropping someone an audio dm because either <laughs> they see it and they think that's really creepy I'm not going to open this or they think oh this person is like trying to be more personable and in general like I'll respond to all my dms if they're not spam like I if even if I don't know the person if they're asking me advice I got one the other day I quite enjoy knowing that in some way something I'm doing it has inspired someone else. Like I love, I like doing these Instagram lives. Um, I have this whole like schedule planned. I've just been really busy to do them recently that are like skill sharing and I'll answer questions people have because I want to make art and photography, especially accessible primarily mm-hmm. to people who don't have access to like the type of education I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do in, in different ways of learning because the way photography is sometimes taught can be so it loses all the colour about it. Like, it's such mm. a fantastic and expansive 
subject, but is often taught in a way that's really black and white. And I don't, no, no pun intended, but I think yeah. that's something that needs to be. Like, I really enjoy um, the videos Analog Wonderland puts out, actually, because I think that they, the way they're explaining content is more accessible and it's more engaging. Yeah. It's not just the same. Simple language. Yeah. It's not like exclusive to anyone. And I think another thing is just increasing the diversity in, in the community because if you're going to like a darkroom space and you see that all the people there that can teach you are like older white men, you think nobody there looks like me, this clearly isn't for me mm-hmm. if there's no one there like me. So mm-hmm. by just creating a more diverse space hopefully like will bring about more diversity within the community. Yeah, I'm all for that. <laughs> totally, no, 100%. I'm... I think it needs to be expanded. I think there's nothing better than conversations you have in shared darkrooms with people where they ask you a question and someone might guess that they think you're the technician. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, I'm not the technician, <laughs> yeah. but thank you so much. Um, <laughs> to think that if I'm in that space and they think if I'm doing this, they can, then I think that's the best thing you can get out of it. Yeah. Mm. So what next? What's next for you, Emma? What's um, a She-Hearts film? Or what I said before about creating more of a community, like I'd love She Hearts Film to become more of a sort of educational platform. Yeah. Like the people have mentioned to me before, like I should create an Instagram account and repost women's work every day, which I think is a lovely idea. But firstly, I just don't have the time for it right now. <laughs> and mm. also I think like a like and a follow, like how far does that actually get you in like real terms unless it's thousands and thousands? Like yeah. for me, the education is more important. Um, I want to start something that's sort of like a, a She Hearts film challenge list with like a load of alternative processes and people could reach out to me and say, hey, like I'd love to try this thing. And I'll say, great, we'll give you the material, but in return, you need to write a blog or a tutorial or something that then I can share with like the rest of the community so projects like that that are going to help more than one person it's not just going to be one person getting a like and a follow it's going to spread knowledge or influence to other photographers and hopefully get more people into film and yeah I'd love to do more photo walks as well that sounds I really want to go to one I've just been away I saw them in when they come up from London I'm like yes I want to go yeah it was so fun yeah that, when the next one's yeah. on, you're going to have to... Yeah. Please, yeah. We'll all know. be in London. We're so all be connected now. Yeah. And it's like what you were uh, saying as well, sending out like projects and things. That sounds fantastic because you want to create resources that don't exist for mm. people that don't mm-hmm. fit into the, the norm of what like people expect an analog photographer to be or someone who just wants to get into it. Like I think it's a fantastic just interest to have. It shouldn't have to be something that's well do you know the A, B, C, D, E, F, G in order to even be considered a photographer because as we were saying earlier, yes, everyone can take a picture, but I think anyone can fall in love with photography and if we continue, if not necessarily us, but if it's continued to be limited, then how can we ever expect that to be passed on? Mm. I think that's why coming at it from a fine art perspective is great Mm. compared to a photography perspective. And this is something that I've always like been really grateful for because my the way I view photography is very experimental yeah me too and I see film as the same as if it's like a pencil or a paintbrush or um whereas I know that probably a lot of photographers kind of get 
quite tied up with the technicalities of it. And I think that sometimes can be quite limiting. Yeah. So coming at it from a fine art perspective just feels really... Just opens you up to yeah. other ways of thinking. Yeah, for I completely sure. agree. So what next for you, Eva? Oh, well, um, I've got this right now where we have this <laughs> exhibition on. This is my current current thing that's going on, which I've been very excited about. I think this is going to be um, – I'm really excited for the opening tonight. Um, I have an exhibition with Grow Wild, which is a Kew Gardens, like, subsidy in on the 16th of September um, for the grant I've just finished. I have the um, the Coward Association grant I mentioned earlier, and I am in an exhibition in – Johannesburg, South Africa next month and I've got some prints to send to Germany for a like portfolio style exhibition. I um it sounds like a lot, but truly if anyone is listening to this and wants to be more involved with things, it is the only reason I've actually ever been involved in anything besides you inviting me to this <laughs> exhibition has and still has come off the back of me either DMing someone, emailing someone, following, commenting. I yeah. think that within an art community that is so niche, art as a whole is niche, and then you get further and further and then you suddenly end up in this world called analogue processes and, alter- you know, and it really is very tiny. It's essential that you reach out to everyone yeah. that inspires you because they probably don't hear that often mm-hmm. from people with, and they are very willing to spend time and all of those opportunities I've just listed have come off the back of me applying to every single open call or DMing someone. Yeah. So I think that's a really important like make strategy. the opportunities for yourself. Yeah. Like don't wait for them to no one's come gonna, and get you. No one's gonna spoon feed no you, especially in this you. industry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I feel so powerful and strong right <laughs> oh now. Yeah. Like, check us out. Yeah. What about you, Amber? You're about to start your masters. Yeah, I'm about wow. to move to London to do my masters at the Royal College of Art. Oh, so amazing. That's really exciting. So exciting. I got a full paid scholarship. <gasps> Congratulations. Wow. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm actually going into printmaking, which is quite funny because obviously I do specialise in photography. However, kind of what we were just saying, I feel like there's way more room for me to be experimental within printmaking Mm -hmm. and kind of broaden my skills through my photography in that area than there would be if I was to do photography. I totally understand that, actually. Mm. And a lot of the work that I do is not necessarily just the photographic process, but it's also the after, um, the after effects of that and how yeah, that where, it leads you. where that's going to mm. take me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a weird choice every time. So every time I say to someone, they're like, "But why are you not doing photography?" But it's because, mm. like we were saying, like we know what this is like already, so we've got to make the choices and kind of manipulate the opportunities that we get by going down these different directions so that's why I'm doing that so well, where's that gonna it's exciting because that just makes me wonder where will that take you and how will those additional skills that you're going to learn expand what you already do and mm. who knows what you will be making that hasn't ever really been I don't want to see being done before in this way that like originality is like the end or be all but it just makes me so excited for what you're going to share that's going to influence other people that are following you, like this, mm. this like, women's group of photographers we've been talking about. I think that's, like, I, I can actually understand completely why you do printmaking before yeah. photography yeah. because what you're going to bring to that MA is going to be entirely different to other stu- students taking on printmaking. And that's kind of what I sort of, like, I'm hoping for. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know that printmaking, a lot of them probably will be quite traditional, mm. um... 
So I'm really looking forward to kind of pushing the boundaries yeah. and like having a different perspective. Yeah, to and like speaking to the tutors and being like, let's kind of question what printmaking is mm-hmm. and um, what we can do with it and how mm-hmm. photography can tie in. There's a really fantastic group. Um, I believe it's called Tied to Light Collective. Or, yeah, um, I've seen them. Yes. No, or some and somewhere yeah. in between, and mm-hmm. they're like photography and printmaking. And it's, like, artists who have been the same, like, the same situation. And they're yeah. doing some really great things right now. Um, so you should definitely check out both Tied to Light Collective and Somewhere in Between um, because they're doing really important things for just for the art community in general. Mm. So, mm. yeah, they're really great. Yeah, there's quite a few sort of collective sort of groups starting on Instagram now that... I think, yeah, definitely worth a follow. Have you guys seen um, Grain Girls? Yes. I, they have, like, a really cool um, graphic that's like a film canister with, like, a pair of boobs on the front. <laughs> I haven't really seen cool. it. Um, and there's loads of other, like, from the more female photography side. Uh, the Film Sorority, I think they're more based in America, or Marina from If We Film, she does loads of tutorials. So yeah. if you're looking for women taking the charge, like, there are a few good accounts to follow as well. Hmm. Amazing. Should we should Head we wrap to this the party? <laughs> we got some cocktails to drink. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Emma and Eva, for thank joining you. us on the Carousel Tapes today. Us. Um, it's been really fantastic, and yeah, thanks very much. Brilliant. Thank you.